0: Live from Buffalo Wild Wings, this is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q.
1: 150 East Centennial is the spot, Buffalo Wild Wings. We're at a different Buffalo Wild Wings location each and every Friday. And again, today, 150 East Centennial. Come on by. All kind of prizes we have for you. The Hop Valley girls are walking around. They have a little drink that you can have to get your weekend started off the right way. And like I said, we're going to be here hanging out with you. Join us now on the phone lines is our good friend, Nick Shook from NFL Network, NFL.com. And, Nick, thanks so much for your time this afternoon, my man. Hopefully you're going to have a really happy holiday. And i got to ask off top, man, Thursday night football, we saw the Jaguars beat up on the Jets, and Zach Wilson essentially got benched. What are the Jets going to do with their quarterback situation?
2: Find a new option after the season, unless Mike White can be healthy enough to play the final three games and show them that that he can be the guy going into next year. Because – I mean, let's face it, Q, this is a young team. This is a team that overachieved. They're ahead of schedule right now. The, the yep. fact that they have been in playoff contention for a while, they're ahead of schedule. But they've also proven they have a ton of young, exciting talent. And you don't waste that talent with a bad quarterback situation. So they got to figure out an answer. And I tell you what, there's one guy not too far away from the Raiders, he used to be a lot closer to the Raiders before they moved to Vegas, He's, you know, he's on he's on the mend right now, and he's going to be a free agent in the offseason, and he has some familiarity with the head coach of the Jets over there and some other staffers as well. That might be their answer in the offseason. You go get a little Jimmy Garoppolo interest, potentially bring him to the east side of the United States. That could be an immediate answer, but it, they cannot continue to proceed forward. And I'll tell you what, I cannot listen to Robert Sala talk about how Zach's going to have a good career anymore based on what we're seeing now because – this, kind of like Sam Darnold was in New York, I think he needs to change his scenery right now. I, just, I don't know if it's really, you know, it might, it might be irreparable.
1: I, I agree with you, and the thing about it is, I feel like I saw the Jets quit on him last night, right? It just seemed like they, they just will not play for him. When the fourth-string guy gets in there, they have more energy and they have more juice with him. They just had nothing with Wilson. It feels like he's lost those guys. What did you see?
2: Well, it's funny because I think this season really resonates with me more than any in the last five or six in which – Backup quarterbacks have energized teams around the league. Another one I think of is Taylor Heineke in Washington. They they were invigorated as soon as he came to the lineup for Carson Wentz, and that explains why they are where they are at this point because they were going nowhere fast when Wentz is in the lineup. Yep. And I think that's kind of the same situation where you got guys wearing T shirts, you know, with Mike White's face or a slogan on it in support yeah. of Mike White. You know, they love that guy, and I think it does speak about how they feel about their, you know, the the guy who was anointed, the guy who maybe didn't earn it. You know, um, I I did my podcast last night with couple of my friends to do the podcast with, and I, it came to mind suddenly that, that Zach Wilson could potentially even be diet Johnny Manziel, you know, just a, a guy that does not command the locker room, that does not get the support of his teammates, and does not play well enough and, you know, put his words into practice uh, well enough to earn their respect, because that matters so much in football. It matters in all sports, but especially in a team game like football, where everyone's got to be on the same page, everyone's got to have respect for each other and expect each other to do their job, and I think right now they think that he can't do the job, and we're not going to support him anymore, whereas they get fired up on Mike White. It says a lot about his uh, current standing with this team.
1: It really does. Again, Nick Shook is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. We're going around the NFL. How about this big game that uh, is well supposed to be, it was scheduled to be a big game, the Eagles and the Cowboys, but Jalen Hurts isn't playing. So now you have uh, Gardner Minshew as the guy. I don't know how many weeks he's going to play before Jalen comes back, but what are your expectations for this game now that Gardner sliding slid into the uh, starting position?
2: Well, I expect a little bit of rust, first off, because he hasn't played any meaningful snaps in a while. But I don't expect the drop-off to be as bad as people might think. And okay. the reason is, is you know, he made a name for himself in Jacksonville with a pretty bad team. And he's been a gamer dating back to his days in Washington State where, you know, he's not the most talented guy physically, but he makes things happen. He gets the job done. You know, it's not spectacular, but he gets the job done. And this is exactly the type of team that he needs to be surrounded by to get the job done. So there's going to be a, a drop-off of sorts because it's not Jalen Hurts. I don't think it's going to be as bad as people anticipate because the Eagles are a strong team on offense with all the weapons they have. They have, you know, a phenomenal offensive line, probably the best in the league based on Pro Bowl selections, and their defense is the second-ranked defense in the NFL right now, and it doesn't get enough credit. So, I, you know, I think it's going to be a competitive game regardless of who's playing quarterback. It might not just be. It might just might not be as high flying as we anticipate. But then again, this is a rivalry game. Things get weird in rivalries more often than not, especially late season. Weather, I can tell you, being in Cleveland right now, the weather over in Philly probably ain't much better. So it's gonna. All <laughs> actually, they're down in Texas, but yeah, they're in saying. Texas. Yeah. The Point is, is, is this this entire you know the the makeup of this the the scene that is going to be set. You know, I know we're in a dome and everything, but it's going to matter. Uh, it's it's going to be important to both teams. And, and the Eagles are going for a sweep. Cowboys are trying to fight against it. And uh, and I think the Eagles are going to be good enough to potentially come away with a win.
1: I've been a big believer in Jalen Hurts when he was at Alabama. I was a big believer in Jalen Hurts when he was at Oklahoma. Big believer with him since he's been in the league, and I really think that he should be the MVP this year. But now that he's missing games, how much does that hurt his MVP candidacy?
2: I hate that. I hate that that might actually be a thing, that it yeah. might actually impact it, um, because he's just been so good. He's been – and you, you know, as you just described, you, you watched him, Oklahoma, Alabama – to the beginning stages of his career, um, it's a bummer that that might affect it. I think it will because the immediate argument is going to be, well, he didn't play the full season. Now, I didn't hurt T.J. Watt, um, you know, last year. So maybe, you know, maybe not. But when, you guys, when you're when you contending with guys like Mahomes and, you know, even guys like Josh Allen and some other players around the league, uh, it, it's difficult. You really got to put everything together and, and have a strong case. I think if I was voting on it, I would still vote for him. Uh, you, know, you know, let's say he misses two, three games. That doesn't matter. The body work you don't get to 13-1 you know, without him. And, right. and you don't end up as the, the leading favorite in the NFC without him. And I think that makes him among the most valuable. Now, I'll tell you what, if Minshew is not good and they struggle in the next three games, I think that actually helps his candidates see more. It doesn't help the Eagles overall, but in terms of awards, I think it helps his candidates see more. Uh, and it'll, 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 you know, I, I think often the name is most valuable, but it doesn't always come down to being most valuable. But if, it, if there is a year for it to be most valuable, it could be this year.
1: That makes a lot of sense. It really does. Nick Shook is our guest here on Red Nation Radio nine twenty. Let's rough. This is my man. debond has got one for you.
2: The Jacksonville Jaguars.
3: They got the win last night. They have a ha- They're a half game back from the Tennessee Titans. But do you think that the Jaguars are theoretically in the driving seat in that AFC South division?
2: Yes, absolutely. Pound the table. Sign me up for the Jaguars fan club because <laughs> hey, they're playing great football right now. They are. They're playing phenomenal football. It's another young team. It's a team of new pieces that really needed to get its feet underneath them. You know, a lot of their contributors are guys that they brought in the offseason. It's not just Brandon Scherf. It's not just Christian Kirk or Zay Jones. It's also guys like Foy Olokun, you know, on, on the defensive side of the ball, linebacker who's playing phenomenally, leading tackles. He's having a great season. I don't know why Atlanta let him walk away because he was a good player there as well. So uh, it, it's, it's a group that had to learn how to win, had to trust that they could go out and win. And they needed their quarterback to play better. And Trevor Lawrence has been playing phenomenal football the last couple months. He threw his first pick since October last weekend. And, and I, you know, before this game on Thursday, it wasn't like the prettiest game. The conditions weren't great. But at the same time, he's still the key part. We talked about what's wrong with the Jets. They have a good young team, but they don't have the quarterback. The Jaguars have the quarterback. And they're also playing a team that doesn't, you know, not not playing a team, but facing a team in the standings in the Titans that might not have the quarterback. You know, Ryan Tannehill is a tough guy. He's gutted out a lot of these uh, games, especially recently, just battling through injuries. But I don't have a ton of faith in Blake Wills because the Titans have shown me they don't have a ton of faith in him, at least throwing the football. His, his attempts, you know, he started two games. He's got like 20 attempts between those two games, and so one of them was against Kansas City, but they miraculously took the overtime. I trust Mike Vrabel in the fact that he can get his defense together, but I don't trust this offense. I think Derrick Henry hasn't quite lost a step, but he's heading toward that direction. It's unfair to expect him to continue to carry them down the stretch. They're not playing good ball right now. The Jaguars are one team is ascending, one one team is descending, and I think it's the Jaguars who end up taking the division.
3: Well, another question that I want to stay on the Jaguars just a little bit is: Doug Peterson an even better coach than we thought, or is Urban Meyer one of the worst coaches
2: in NFL history? <laughs> <laughs> Can both be true? <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I think Doug was pretty good in Philly. It's just the wheels fell off, starting with his quarterback, and they had you know their roster got old, and they needed a year or two to turn it over. And Howie Rosen is one of the best in the NFL. At doing that, and he's done a great job with the Eagles in the last couple of years since they've gotten rid of Doug Peterson. But I don't think that was really an indictment of him. He was just stuck between a rock and a hard place, and he did a great job when he was in Philly. Other than that, last year that he was there, and so I think he's been a you know a very solid coach, a coach that I think gets a bad rap because he's not the most exciting guy. But he's done a really good job in the you know the course of his career. But yes, this is where <laughs> the bottom was very low with their Meyer. I mean, completely dysfunctional. Nobody wanted to play for him. They, 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 some of those players that came out of that season said we didn't even know what was going on halftime, you know. And it was another team that really needed direction, needed a, an experienced coach to be able to lead a team with a young quarterback and a young running back who didn't even get to play his rookie year because he got hurt, and you know they, they needed that transition that that year of change from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson to position themselves. I don't think even if it was Doug there last year that they would be as good as they are now. But yes, Urban is not he's not cut out for the pros. It, it's funny though because. If you think about it in the history of coaches, real quick, like Matt Rule getting fired. I was the last guy to get on the Matt Rule train. I never got on because <laughs> I never wanted to ride that train because I didn't think he was cut out for the NFL, and it started with his introductory press conference, which Nick Siriani kind of had a bad one, too, but the, the, the reasons are different, and it's that Matt Roll talked about building the program, just a lot of platitudes and stuff that works in college, but a lot of college coaches are successful because they recruit well, right. and they're good salesmen, and they're, it, and they're talking to 17, 18, 19-year-old kids who look at them as adults, as as authority figures. The is different. You gotta be a different type of coach. These are grown men. And I think Urban Meyer was never cut out for that.
1: No, I agree. I agree. And I was a Matt Rule, I was a leader of the Matt Rule uh, train. I was on that I was driving that train that you never got on and look you you, 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 you ended up being right, right? I mean he, he's cut out for the college game. I'm excited about his opportunity in Nebraska but uh, you're right. I mean you can't sell the same college dream to pros, guys that are making more money than you, then you know you just you just can't do it. You know, it's not gonna work and Matt Rule proved that in Carolina. Nick Shook is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So as far as the, the Raiders go, they're, they're in Pittsburgh this week, immaculate reception, 50-year anniversary of the immaculate reception, and then Franco Harris passes away on Wednesday. What do you think those emotions are going to be like in Pittsburgh on Christmas Eve?
2: Uh, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy because, you know, they're not just fighting to try and stay in the playoff contention, but they have to also try to keep Mike, Mike Tomlin from recording his first losing season in his career as that yeah. coach, you know, they lose this weekend. And it's that's nine losses. That's a losing season. That's 17 games slate. They're playing for Franco. They're playing on the 50th anniversary. I mean, it was already going to be a wild scene if, if Franco was still alive, but the fact that he did pass this week just increases the energy. I, I, I don't know, man, some of it up Pittsburgh. They are some of those, there's just some rare fan bases that really get emotionally energized and moved by something as unfortunate as the death of a legend. Um, I think about Michigan, uh, you know, with the passing of Bo Schembechler right before yeah. Ohio State-Michigan played in 2006, kind of the same thing. And I expect this crowd, you know, they play renegade in the fourth quarter when it's a key moment. I expect them to have that energy all night. Kenny Pickett's coming back after being hurt the last few weeks. Energy's going to be at an all-time high. But talent-wise, I don't know if they have enough to keep up with the Raiders. The Raiders, we know they've underachieved, but yep. they've started to figure it out lately. It's come in wacky ways like last week. Uh, they've held on for victories in the road that went over the Chargers being one of them. I thought that was really impressive to me. That was a game that they were positioned to lose. You know, like, all right, well, they're going to find a way to blow this one. They're going to blow this one. They're going to, you know, that's that's how they've done for most of the season. So, um, you know, I I don't necessarily believe in the Raiders that much because of how they've gotten here. But if we look at it in an on-paper perspective, talent-wise, the Raiders are just a better team than the Steelers if they can take the lead in the first half. Because you and I both know they are a first-half team. They struggle in the second half. You don't want to be down or tied in Pittsburgh in that environment, on the road, when it's cold, in the second half. So you've got to get on them early in order to win this game, but it's going to be a crazy environment for sure.
1: Yeah, no, it really will. And, you know, I know you talk to a lot of folks across the NFL. You have a lot of colleagues and everything. What have they been talking about when it comes to the passing of Franco Harris? Like what he meant to NFL history, not just Steeler history.
2: You know, he's he's an icon that I – I don't want to say he was a forgotten icon, but he's an icon that, that is not one of the people that comes to the forefront immediately. And I think that's unfair uh, because of, you know, the, the place he held both in the, in the record books and in the evolution of the NFL. You know, the Immaculate Reception, one of the greatest plays in NFL history, first off. But it also launched the Steelers. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't win the Super Bowl that year. They fell to the undefeated Dolphins the next week. But then they started that run, four Super Bowls in six years. Right when the NFL was getting extremely popularized by national television coverage. You know, if we look at the, the, the way that different leagues have blossomed into where they are, they are now the NBA, the NFL, baseball, uh, the NFL, the big decades were the 60s and the 70s. 60s because they had the merger near the end of it, started the Super Bowl, all that stuff. 70s because that's when it really took off on TV. Who were the dominant franchises then? The Steelers and the Cowboys. And who was one of the most dominant players on either of those teams? Franco Harris, who I think doesn't get the respect he deserves. You look at the rushing all-time rushing stats. Right, He's right up there with the be- best of them. I mean, there's a display in Canton right now that you go into this one room <laughs> where it's him breaking through a glass wall, and it's Jim Brown breaking through a glass wall, Walter Payton and Emmitt Smith. And I guarantee you that people would go up to that display and be able to ID three of those four guys, and they might struggle to, to ID that Steeler. But people in Pittsburgh never would. And that's what was most important, is how important he was to that city, how he really dug into the community. And, and was a figure there for many years after his retirement to the point where you know, I was listening to Judy Batista describe this on NFL Now on Wednesday, where the, if the Steelers had, you know, a charity event and a player couldn't show up, they'd call Franco and he'd go do it. I mean, <laughs> last minute, he'd show up and do it. He was that kind of guy. And, you know, it is definitely a tremendous loss to the NFL, to pro football in general. I I had, you know, I had just some brief crossings with him at, at the Hall of Fame and the Gold Jacket Dinner, that type of thing. He was always mm-hmm. a very pleasant guy. And... You know, he walks by, and you're like, man, it's Franco Harris, and <laughs> it's it's a bummer. You know, you still can't believe that he's gone.
1: No, you really can't. And I mean, this week was just crazy. You know, just to realize what you know was coming up today, as a matter of fact, the 50 year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Knowing the game was going to be played tomorrow, and then all of a sudden finding out after he was doing TV interviews and all that good stuff on Tuesday, wake up Wednesday morning and see the news of him passing. I was like, wait a minute, this can't be real. It's just crazy how it happens this week, right? I mean, of all of all weeks to happen. This week, It's still it's still is hard for me to wrap my head around. Uh, Nick, as we close this out, how about those Minnesota Vikings? I'm not a firm believer in them. I'm just not. Even though they came back from 33 down at halftime against the Colts, they were down 33 to nothing at the halftime against the Colts. So where are you as far as your belief in the Minnesota Vikings?
2: DQ, this is why I'm glad that the train, the Matt Rule train, eventually came all the way back around the station to meet me where I had refused to board when it left, right? Because you and I are on the same page as we <laughs> often are. We are on the same page with these Vikings. It, you know, it's tough, but because I've called some teams the last couple of years. Uh, the Packers a few years ago, I thought, you know, like one of the worst 13-3 teams in recent memory, the Steelers two years ago, the worst 12-4 and team I ever saw, the worst 11-0 team I ever saw. I knew they were cruising to get beat in the playoffs. The Vikings kind of feel like that team, and it's an achievement that they've gotten here. It's a resounding achievement. First-year head coach goes and leads them to a runaway win in in the division. You know, getting the title back from the Packers, who've dominated the last few years. But at the same time, they're not consistent enough for me. They're not. They don't. They don't go out and dominate a game. In fact, when I saw them down thirty-three nothing at halftime, I said, "Wow, Colts, that's crazy." But this is also who they are when they lose games. Most of their losses have come in blowout fashion. You think about the Eagles game. Early on, being one of them, uh, mm-hmm. it's the close wins and the blowout losses for the most part. So that's concerning to me. The point differential kind of can't ignore that in any sport, but especially in football and in baseball to a degree. The point differential is in the negative or really close to even. I'm concerned because that tells me that you're you're eking out wins and you're not doing as well when you lose games. And that's the Vikings right now. They just haven't been dominant enough for me. I don't need you to go out and put up 50 points, you know, a game to for me to be convinced, but. It feels like it's a team that has a ceiling that could increase in the future, but they might be playing at it right now already.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, man. We'll see how it shakes out, but just not a believer, and it's tough to say that with a team that's got double-digit wins, but that's where I am. Well, Nick, fantastic stuff as always, my man. You mentioned the podcast that you had last night. What else you got coming out? What should we be on the lookout for?
2: Well, every week, com slash underdogs, where I choose uh, three or four underdogs, I believe in most, to pull off the upsets. Your Raiders are in that group this week against the Steelers. Boom. Uh, and, you know, check out the Sean and Chuck podcast on uh, all your favorite podcast playing platforms and YouTube as well. That's about it. Otherwise, you know, it's got game coverage and everything else. A little bit of time on NFL network. You know, schedule's busy, as always, even as we get around the holidays.
1: That's how it should be. Hey, Nick, thank you so much, man. Have a happy holidays. Appreciate your time, as always, my man, and we'll talk soon.
2: All right, Q. Thanks, man.
1: All right, brother. There he goes. Nick Shook, fantastic stuff. NFL.com, NFL Network. Staying busy, and that's what it's all about, staying busy, even around the holiday time, but just going around, scatter shooting around the NFL with Nick. 418 is the time we're at Buffalo Wild Wings. 150 East Centennial. Still got time to come on by here. The drinks are pouring. The food is coming out. And of course, we've got plenty of prizes for you. My man Brian said he'd dress up in a onesie if you come in by and say what's up. He even got you hooked up with a onesie. So come on by and say what's up. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio.
1: It's always fun to be out and about. Every Friday we're at the Buffalo Wild Wings, a different location this time. 150 East Centennial is the location we're at. Got a lot of prizes that we still want to give out before we get out of here. Coors Light hooked us up with a bunch of stuff. Of course, we got some Raider Nation Radio 920 swag. Topo Chico girls are here with some Topo Chico and some Hop Valley. Official IPA of the Silver and Black. We got some tickets here for you, UNLV and more. If you want them, all you got to do is come on by and say what's up. We'll get you laced up. Coming up at 430. Round 430, Lee Sterling for ParamountSports.com. will join the show, uh, talk a little betting lines and uh, where you can win some money this weekend. We'll talk some Week 16 NFL action. Got a couple texts that I wanted to get to. It's 69187, keyword R&R. That's the don'tbebroke.com text line. Vegas Pete said, our defensive coordinator likes D-tackles to eat blocks, and I think Tillery Billings are doing well. A great Sam linebacker covering blitz is my wish. Someone like Fu, a.k.a. Phil Villapiano, or Stud right Tackle. There you go. Vegas Pete, thank you so much for that. And I'll say this, Billions are doing is doing a good job. He's on a one-year deal. Tillery, there's still, you know, the the jury's out if they're going to bring him back or not. So there's no there's no guarantee that either one of those guys are going to be around next year. That's why I'd like to see a, def, a dominant defensive tackle. And yeah, they want a guy that's going to eat up blocks for sure, but they also want a guy that can get to the quarterback. A guy that can help pressure and collapse that pocket. And so that's something that uh, I just think a dominant one. Some one that uh, the Raiders haven't had in a very long time. And sticking with the defensive tackles, uh, Lil Al Davis actually tweeted at us. Rod Coleman was a beast as a Raiders defensive tackle back in the days. I'm surprised more people don't mention his name when they speak of dominant defensive tackles. And Lil Al Davis is right. Uh, yeah, he was good, man. Rod Coleman was really good. Uh, he wasn't with the Raiders for a real long time, but I remember it was like late '90s, uh, early 2000s. He was with the Raiders, and he was he was. You're absolutely right. That's a good that's a good um, good uh, little nugget that you dropped on us right there. Uh, I believe he went on to play with, what, the Falcons after that and maybe someone else? I don't quite remember exactly who he played with after the Falcons. But, uh, yeah, man, that's 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 a good one, and he was a, a really good one. But, again, what was that, late 90s, early 2000s? It's been a while since they've had that dominant defensive tackle, and that's why I think that they need to go out and get that guy. So thank you so much for that tweet. I do appreciate you. Uh, let's see. We got a text from um, the 806. I'd give the team a pregame speech by Gruden right before they run out. The Steelers are going to be at their peak mental toughness of this year for this game. Not sure if McDaniels could give the kind of talk that would inspire them to be warriors. That's what it's going to take to win. Gruden was a master at that part of coaching. Uh, Let's see. Also, from the 806, uh, it's a different – no, same number. Can we get McDaniels uh, to get this team to match the emotion and mental toughness that the Steelers are going to have? If not, I'm scared. It's going to look ugly, blowout ugly. So that's another one from the 806. And, uh, yeah, I mean – that's the thing about it, and that's what I've been kind of talking about, you know, for the last three or four days. The Raiders have to find a way just to weather the storm. I mean, they're, they're going to come out. I think the Steelers are going to come out of the locker room, and they're going to have hair on fire. I really do believe that that's what's going to happen. And the Raiders have just got – it's almost like when you get into a fight and you just got to cover up at first, and you just got to take the punches and hope that they don't hurt too bad. You know what I mean? Like they don't damage you too bad. And then once they're a little kind of worn out and they've, they've already – fired off all their, their extra adrenaline and extra energy, then you go on the attack. I feel like that that's what the Raiders are going to have to do because I, I do think that these guys are going to be, you know, wired to the to the max when they come out of that locker room. And you know what? That might that might play against them. They might come out too fired up. You know, there's been times where I was so excited about something that I came out with my hair on fire and it's not necessarily playing sports, but just in anything, it's just like, yeah, that that wasn't what it was supposed to be. Because sometimes you just you're too amped. You know, you got to find a way to channel that. So we'll see exactly uh, how it all shakes out. But uh, they've got, in my opinion, they've got to weather the storm. We got a text from Sir Whiskey Ray. He said, uh, do a segment called In the Mood with Damon, Please, Santa, make this happen. Raiders. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. Damon, do you have any idea what Sir Whiskey Ray is talking about?
3: No, not at all. (laughs) If anything, I read that text, and I was like, the segment will be called Not in the Mood. (laughs) It'd be, here's what I'm not in the mood for.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what are you not in the mood for? How about that?
3: So many of the negative Nancys, that last text, I got to just take not a shot at them, but just a little pushback of a blowout. I know that anything can happen in the NFL, but the Steelers haven't blown anyone out this year, unless it's the Benny Hill music of a comedy of errors. I don't think that they're going to come out and just have that big of a game, you know, where obviously... uh, Three Fumbles in a row, and they take them all back for touchdowns, and they're down 21-0. Would be unprecedented, but I don't think that the Steelers are that team, and anything's possible. You say something, I'm not, I don't believe in jinxes, so that's why it doesn't occur to me like that. You (laughs) say that it's going to happen, but I don't, I I think this this is going to be a close game. I don't think that any speech that could be given to the Steelers are just going to come out. You look up at halftime, and it's 33-0.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that they're going to be no, that was just in (laughs) response to the texter. Yeah, I I think that they're going to come out, like I said, hair on fire. I think they're going to be amped up, you know, and, and Mike Tomlin does a good job of that, so that's what I'm interested to see, and I just want to see how the Raiders react. You know, and that's, that's my biggest thing. I mean, you know me, though. I'm a rah-rah guy. I like to get fired up, so I'm that guy that Coach would be saying something in the locker room, and I'd be like, that's right, Coach! Let's go, Coach! Let's go, you know, to the point where I might be tired walking out the locker room. Alright, Q's done.
3: And that's why my segment will be not in the mood, because I am... <laughs> it'd be Coach, hey, we're, okay, we're gonna go out there and give it 100%. Just, you know, you're <laughs> up here, I need you to bring it down here. Right. All right, guys, now let's just go out there and do our jobs.
1: I'll tell you what, man. I used to always get so excited when we were going on the air in ESPN Central Texas, and it was me. Uh, Craig Smoke was the host. I was the co-host. And he used to get so mad because he was a quiet dude. And so every day before the show started, about three minutes before the show, I'd be in the studio. And I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Let's get fired up. Let's get fired up. And he would get so mad to the point where I'd look at him, and his, his like eyes would be cringing because I was loud. And I was like, oh yeah, you didn't you didn't grow up with too many bras. Yeah, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't too comfortable with the loud the loud noise that I was providing. But it was so funny because every day I would do that. And then especially when I realized that he didn't like it, I did it on purpose just to mess with him. So it was actually pretty funny. What's up, brother? It was pretty funny just because he couldn't he definitely couldn't handle it. He he was not one of those, like you said, not in the mood. He was definitely one of those that was not in the mood. So there's that. Mailman Raider hit us up and said, uh, we were talking about the Jaguars earlier and I, how I said I was surprised that they're at where they're at. And Mailman Raider said, your boy McLean isn't surprised on the Jags. I remember him saying that that was his surprise team before the season. I said, no way, and I picked the Texans. That's why he's a Hall of Famer and I'm a mailman. LOL. That's from the Mailman Raider. I like that. That's good stuff right there. That is awesome. I like uh, I like that. That's good. Uh, let's see. Vegas Pete hit his back. Haven't the Raiders had Steelers numbers for 1, 4, or 5? Uh, ben never won in Oakland. Pittsburgh is weak at wide receiver, so so key the run, uh, and that's true. Yeah, no, they the, the Raiders have done well against the Steelers. I'm, I mean, they're look. Let's make no mistake about it. The Raiders are way more talented than the Steelers are. There's no doubt. The Steelers don't have as much talent as the Raiders, but that doesn't mean that in their home home stadium and and uh, you know doing what they do that they're they're they can't win this game. I mean, they do have guys defensively they can get after it. Hell, week one against the Bengals, they well, they, they turned uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals over five times. They have ability. I mean, they're, they're not going to just let the Raiders walk into their building and walk all over them. That's not going to happen. They're going to be fired up. And, you know, something Nick brought up is that if they lose on, on Saturday, that's going to be the first losing season that Mike Tomlin's had. And I know a lot of people look at that as an overrated stat, and I kind of do as well because he hasn't won playoff games. But, I mean, he hasn't had a losing regular season record. And so that would be the first team. They'd be the team that gave up that that streak that Mike Tomlin's on. So they're gonna be playing for that as well. And you know, if they lose, they're also out of the playoffs. And, and you know, they don't their playoff hopes are, are are dead. Like Paul Gutierrez said earlier today, it's like an elimination game for both teams. You know, whoever wins their 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 uh you know, their playoff hopes stay alive for at least one more week. Whoever loses, it's a wrap. It's dunzo, right? They start thinking about Cabo. So there's that. But good stuff. Uh, thank you so much for those texts. Plenty of great stuff on the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. And you can continue to hit us up. Again, we're at Buffalo Wild Wings, 150 East Centennial. Coming up next, Lee Early, my guy, ParamountSports.com. We'll dip into some Week 16 action, talk about where to win some money. We'll do it next here on Red Nation Radio 920.
0: It's time to take a look at the lines that can help win you some money with Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. Brought to you by Joe's Stone Crab, located inside the Caesars Forum Shops, here on Raider Nation Radio 920.
1: And Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com joins us now on the phone lines here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And, Lee, appreciate your time. As always, my man, we are in week 16 officially of the NFL season. The Jaguars got the victory over the Jets for Thursday night football. Jags, one of the hottest teams in football. The Jets have a quarterback problem, a real-deal issue at the quarterback position. What did you see from the Jets in particular in their loss on Thursday night?
0: Nothing. Um, Defense (laughs) played
1: okay at, at best um Jacksonville has weapons
0: on offense they got receivers uh Etienne's a good running back and uh trevor lawrence starting to come around i mean <laughs> he actually has the best passer rating i think it's like something like since week eight so um mm-hmm. uh, a team to be reckoned with so i don't know what the jets are going to do i mean maybe they make jack wilson can't be the starter next no. year so i think what they'll probably do is he'll be the backup you can't they've have, they have 17 18 million dollars in dead money over the next two years with him, Jeez. his contract was guaranteed. So uh, that's a quandary. So uh, he's just not an NFL starting quarterback. I mean, it's evident. Uh, just doesn't have that fire in him. You know, if he just walks off the field, you know, like it's no big deal. So um, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they're going to get Brees Hall back. That'll help out a lot. They get a lot of wide receiver injuries. I think their defense is fine, but they're done. They're cooked for the season. But what's crazy about this weekend, Q, is – eight games that's Mm -hmm. right eight of the 15 remaining games have totals under 40
1: yeah
0: haven't seen this uh since 2011 uh totals so low it's a i think it's a combination of the weather weather i mean single digits yeah minus uh in a couple of these games and then on top of that a bunch of a lot a lot of backup quarterbacks playing so uh No games, no games. Not one game above a 50 total. Haven't seen that in a long time.
1: Wow, that is something right there to kind of write down, jot down, and remember because we probably won't see that again. For a long time, so that's an interesting little nugget right there. Again, Lee Sterling joins us here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Let's go ahead and get into some plays. We got some, we got some, uh, uh, we got some Christmas Eve games, and we got some Christmas Day games. So that's exciting. It Should be a fun weekend. Uh, let's start out with the Chargers and the Colts. The Chargers right now four and a half minus four and a half versus the Colts. How are you seeing this one shakeout, Lee? Yeah, Jeff Saturday. That magic has sure
0: <laughs> faded away pretty quickly. Uh, uh, gave up. 33 points in the fourth quarter against the Cowboys a couple games ago. Um, And then they did even worse. Gave up a Mm. 33-point halftime lead to the Vikings in that 39-36 overtime defeat. Uh, 1-7 and straight up, 3-5 and against the spread their last eight games. No Jonathan Taylor for the rest of the season. Had season-ending ankle surgery. Uh, Just, I mean, there's nothing going really right with this team. They're just trying, kind of just... Just going down the end of the season, um, you talk about teams just playing it out. This is the Indianapolis Colts. They got talent. They got some talented players at almost every different level. But um, when those guys are banged up, no quarterback, they made the mistake going with Matt Ryan. He wasn't the guy here. Chargers, now all of a sudden they're getting healthy here. Justin Herbert, uh, last three games, drove for over 300 yards. The receiving core getting healthy here. And the kicking game, which usually fails them. They're kickers this year, 26 for 28 field goals. They've made all 32 extra points here. I like the Chargers. I'm going to lay the four and a half. Sometimes you got to lay it even if you want to play it on the road Chargers 27 16 over the Colts.
1: Yeah, I mean the Indianapolis Colts, man. I mean what they did last week against the Minnesota Vikings allowing them to come back from 33 points at halftime tells you all that you need to know. They're they're pretty much in 1 2 3 cabo mode, right? I mean they're just about right. thinking about vacation plans. So there you go, first game today, Chargers Colts Charges minus four and a half. Again, we're talking with Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com here on Raider Nation Radio 920. How about the Kansas City Chiefs are minus 10 versus Seahawks. Geno Smith starting to come down to earth a little bit and Kansas City continuing to roll. How do you see this one shaking out, Lee? Yeah,
0: he's coming down to earth a little bit. Um, you know, his receivers have been banged up. Offensive line hasn't afforded him the best protection the last couple weeks, but I think he's going to bounce back. Um How about this? I don't know if we've ever seen a player win the MVP on a winning team and then have such a poor spread record. Patrick Mahomes looks like he's a runaway favorite to win the MVP and leading the NFL in passing yards, 4,496 passing yards, leading the NFL with touchdown passes, 35. Um, But money losers. I mean, the last 13 games, they're 10 and 13 straight up, but they're two. 10-1 10-1 against the spread. Mm. Why is that happening? Well, the defense isn't great. It's okay. And then the elevated lines. Uh, you know, the public just keeps betting into these big favorites here in Kansas City. Uh, they're at the top of the heap. So I, I, when they're laying within seven points, 0 oh, and one against Jeez. the spread. this year. So how do you combat what's going to be some really cold conditions? Single digits for this Kansas City game. Good seats available. A lot of good (laughs) seats available. And you can't say that often in Kansas City, some of the best fans. So, who wants to sit out there in single digit temperatures? I wouldn't want to. I I think Kansas City wins this game something like 30 to 27, but 10 points, way too much. Kenneth Walker, the third, I think he has a big game here also. 30 to 27, Chiefs, uh, but Seattle gets the cover plus ten.
1: There you go. Yeah, those double digit numbers right there always kinda scare me. They always kinda make me shy away from. I just I see too many, too many comebacks. And we've seen so many comebacks in the NFL. This season, I think the number is 44 right now of uh, teams that have come back from double digits uh, to win games in the season, which is a record in the NFL through 15 weeks. So, yeah, those double digits, they uh, scare me, and especially with Kansas City and their lack of ability to cover. uh, There you go. So, uh, Lee Sterling dropping nuggets, dropping knowledge on us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Well, from one cold game, Lee. To another. You talked about single digits in Kansas City. Pittsburgh's going to be just as cold. I hear there's plenty of seats available for this one. We'll close out with the Raiders and the Steelers. Pittsburgh minus two and a half in the cold versus the Raiders. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, and it's a
0: shame. You know, they were going to have such a big weekend uh, with Frank coming back and celebrating the Immaculate Reception, a play that I remember. I remember watching in person, and, you know, I, I don't think the announcers really knew what was going on. They were like, you know, in shock, mm-hmm. uh, they kept playing it over and over. Did not hit the ground? Uh, so um, the the shame of it that that he passes away right before uh, they end up celebrating and also, uh, you know, retiring his number there. So uh, would have been the third number retired. Just it just a, just a shame here. And then on top of that, the weather. I mean, it's going to be awful there. I'm yeah. um, saying minus uh, temperatures for this game. So. I think that certainly is going to help this Pittsburgh team here. Their defense, that's the one constant here. Their defense has been really strong here. Seventh-best red zone defense here. Uh, Raiders, 28th red zone offense here. So, Hmm. uh, Steelers, seventh-ranked rush defense also on top of that here. Uh, I mean, the Raiders are going to have to run the ball here, and I just don't know if they have that mentality Their players want to be there. So, hey, it was a nice, incredible, surprising win last week, but uh, it's going to be tough against Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett comes back here. What's the key to win here for Pittsburgh? Not turn the ball over. Hmm. Last week, Skabrinski didn't turn the ball over after throwing three interceptions a week before. Kenny Pickett has that escapability running the ball, and I think you're going to need that in these type of conditions. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game here, but. I think Pittsburgh, which is more used to these type of conditions, and that's a big factor this late in the season, and maybe
1: playing in Franco's honor, uh, I think they get the win here. I, I like Pittsburgh here, 20-13. to 13. You know, it almost feels like one of those games, and you talk about it all the time, when there's a big shakeup within the organization, a coach gets fired, something kind of crazy happens. kind of yeah. like that rallies the troops, at least for one week. Almost feels like this is the same kind of thing, right? Baker Mayfield, we saw him come in uh, after just being on the team for a couple days, got the W, rallied the troops. Uh, We saw what happened with Jeff Saturday, first time he got to start with the Colts as the head coach, rallied the troops. Kind of feels like with Franco Harris, the Franco Harris effect could be the same thing on this game coming up tomorrow. Yeah, I think we're going to see a bunch of signs. I don't know if you remember back in the day, Franco's Italian Army.
0: Yeah, yeah. uh, (laughs) It used to be... uh, I think it was Roy Jurella, the kicker, gorillas, uh, Yeah, Gorillas. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the signs that they had hanging in that stadium back in the day. They didn't make you take down the signs now. They don't allow the signs, but they had signs literally uh, sweeping the entire stadium. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a game that uh, may not be high
1: scoring, but um, a lot of nostalgia, two of the greatest yeah. teams over the last
0: 40, 50 years in the AFC.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Typical throwback style game against Steelers and Raiders in the cold. What what else do you want? But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one for the silver and black. They're going to have to definitely protect the ball. Both teams will have to protect the ball and run the rock really well. Well, Lee, fantastic stuff as always, my man. Always great to catch up with you. And if anyone wants to reach out to you and get some more information from you, what do they need to do?
0: Yeah, so I've got a 10-day special. It's 10 days in all three sports, all-access pass, football, NFL and we're locked and loaded for tomorrow. We might have four or five selections. Also, uh, college bowls. I mean, this is the meat of uh, the college bowl season. Still got like twenty-something bowl games. And uh, NBA, we're rolling the NBA and hockey. So, ten day, all three sport access. We end up texting you the selections each and every day. Not three ninety-seven or two ninety-seven, just ninety-seven dollars. So, if you want to try us out in the bowl season, the weather's not so good. Where you're going to be watching and want to bet a lot of the games, just one place: ParamountSports.com.
1: There it is, right there. Well, Lee, great stuff as always, my man. Definitely appreciate you. Uh, you make sure that you and the family have a great holiday. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy all the games. Enjoy all the action. And uh, like I said, have a great holiday. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Sounds good, Cube. Be safe. There he goes, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com, and he's not. Uh, he thinks that the Steelers are going to have a little too much, and that the the Raiders won't be able to battle with the weather, battle with the storm that is the emotions of the game, and, and that's why they play the game. You know, it's just one person's opinion, so we'll see how it all shakes out. And I'll say this, when it, when it comes to Lee and, and his, his lines that he's had for the Raiders games, it uh, seems like when he picks the Raiders to win, they lose, and when he picks them to lose, they win. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. He picked the, the, the Raiders to lose, so maybe they'll pull off the victory tomorrow. But we definitely appreciate Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com on Twitter at Paramount Sports. 4.46 is the time. Take a quick break. Come back with what to watch for in this game. I got some nuggets on Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams. We'll close out strong with this. Straight Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to
2: Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. All
1: right, Raider Nation, here we are closing out the show on this Friday, heading into the weekend. Of course, we've got Christmas Eve going on tomorrow, 5.15 p.m. Pacific time. Kickoff Raiders and Steelers. You can hear that game right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Always get these uh, nuggets from NFL Communications, and I always appreciate them when we do get them. So I want to kind of go over a couple things to look for coming up in the game tomorrow night. And we'll start with start with Josh Jacobs cuz I think he's going to be he's going to be a very big part of the Raiders offense. He's going to need a big game. The Raiders are going to need Josh Jacobs to have a big game. Selfishly, I want him to have a big game as I want him to win the rushing title. So I'm hoping that Josh Jacobs balls out for the next 3 games and just goes hard in the paint and wins that rushing title and it's not even close. That's selfishly that's what I want. But Here's a little nugget that I thought was pretty interesting. With 57 rushing yards, Josh Jacobs will surpass Hall of Fame running back Marcus Allen for the most rushing yards through a player's first four seasons in franchise history. Think about that. I don't want to just gloss over that. All he needs is 57 yards, and he will be the franchise's all-time leading rusher through the first four seasons of his career. Passing Marcus Allen.
3: All right, something that I want to add, because I'm going to change what I wish for for the Raiders.
1: Oh, wait a minute. How are you—hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold up. Hold up. My how wait a get- minute. Hold up. Wait a minute. Okay, two hours and 50 minutes into the show, you decide to change what you gave me earlier.
3: Yes, exactly, because I was like, health. No, that seems—that's a little weak sauce. That's weak sauce. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Josh Jacobs. <laughs> well, you know you like
1: being mediocre, man. You know, you're, you're mediocre. You talk to girls through memes. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing really— you're a different cat.
3: You know what? Josh Jacobs, he deserves even more than just the rushing title. And okay. if he can average in the last three games 168 yards per game. Uh, that's all? <laughs> only 168. Ain't asking for too much. He could get to 2,000 for the season. Yeah, he could. So that yes, would be my holiday gift. Josh Jacobs getting to 2,000 yards for the season.
1: Josh J2K. That's what you're calling right there. Okay. All right. That's cool. You know, because I'm a Josh Jacobs guy, I'll let you slide that one in. I'll do that. I like that. So, with 57 yards, he could pass Marcus Allen. That would be 4,638 yards is what Marcus Allen had through his first four seasons. Uh, Josh Jacobs would pass that with 57 yards rushing. So, that's something I'll be counting down. Also, keeping it with Josh Jacobs, with 69 scrimmage yards on Saturday, Jacobs would have the second most scrimmage yards in a single season in franchise history, 1,927 yards, only behind Marcus Allen's 2,314 scrimmage yards in his 85 MVP season. So there you go. He'd still be pretty far behind Marcus Allen, but he'd be second all-time as far as scrimmage yards go uh, if he gets 69 scrimmage yards on Saturday. So those are the little nuggets right there when it comes to Josh Jacobs. How about we go over to the defensive side of things? Mad Max Crosby, another pro bowler. With three tackles on Saturday, Max Crosby would have 80 total tackles on the season, the most in a single season by a Raiders defensive lineman since '87. If he adds one tackle for loss, one TFL, Crosby will become one of only four defensive linemen in the NFL, in the NFL since 1999 to record 80-plus tackles and 20-plus tackles for loss in a single season. He'd be the first one to do it since 2013. Think about that. You want to talk about a season that Max Crosby's having? This dude got the bag in the offseason and then went into the season and balled the blank out. Right? I mean, man, give that dude so much props. All he needs is three tackles and one TFL. I'm not not the smartest dude in the world. I'll never claim to be. But I have a pretty good idea he's going to get that. Pretty good idea he's going to get three tackles and one TFL. If I was a betting man, if I had to lay some money on something, I'd be confident laying my money right there. So go ahead, Max Crosby. Do what you do. Going back to the offensive side of things. D.C. With 11 more pass completions in 2022, only 11 more, Derek Carr will join Peyton Manning as the only two players in NFL history with 300 completions in each of his first nine years in the NFL. I know everyone's not going to be super excited about that one because, well, one thing is not like the other, right? Peyton Manning through his first nine years, obviously there was a lot more success than Derek Carr's had. But 11 more completions, he'll join him with at least with the 300 completion club in their first nine years. Also, sticking with Derek Carr, he's done 23 touchdown passes in 2022. Tied for the eighth most in the NFL. He's also logged 10 games this season with multiple passing touchdowns. He had three of them last year, or last week. Tied for the second most games in the league. And who is he behind with 11? Geno Smith. Geno Smith, right? There you go. Who would have thought? Geno Smith has 11. Carr has 10. Mahomes, 10. Burrow, 10. Allen, 9. Aaron Rodgers, 9. Jalen Hurts, 8. And Kirk Cousins has 8. Finally, we'll close things out. Devonte Devontae Adams. With one, And I don't think this is going to happen this game. I'll just go ahead and throw that out there. With one more game of 100 receiving yards in 2022, Adams would own 800-yard games in 2022, the most in a single season in Raiders history, surpassing 700-yard games by Art Powell in 64, Warren Wells in 68, and touchdown Tim Brown in 1997. So he just needs one more 100-yard receiving game. Don't think it's going to happen tomorrow, but there's a reason why they play the games. There's a reason why they go out there and play the games because right when I think that it's not going to be a big passing day, all of a sudden Devontae has like two catches for 150 or something, right? I mean, you know, like that would be that would be the way that it happens. It's two big plays or one big play. He puts them over the top or he gets like five catches for 100-something yards. So it could happen. I just don't expect for it to happen. Again, the game kicks off 5-15 Pacific Standard Time. Of course, you can hear the pregame show with JT the Brick and Eric Allen starting at 3:15. Then my guy – Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy will take over, and they'll have the call the broadcast 515, heard on Radio Nation Radio 920. So, Radio Nation, thanks so much for everything. Have a happy holidays with your family. Merry Christmas. Everything that you celebrate, do what you do. Enjoy it. Be safe this weekend. We'll be back on Monday. I'm going to take Mama Q out and, uh, and the wife out to celebrate their uh, birthdays tonight. So, uh, happy birthday to Mama Q and the wife, and uh, we'll be back on Monday right here. Ray Nation Radio 920, DeMond, fantastic job. Happy holidays.